The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. But finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the gospel of our Lord. Something interesting about today's gospel text is that really the star of the show is that Jesus casts out a demon, but it's only one verse. The rest of it are crowds of people arguing with Jesus, angry that he's cast out a demon, which is kind of crazy. Something more interesting also is that this demon was mute. He couldn't speak. The man was living under this demon's control, a strong man. And in the demon's kingdom, this man lived. And so he had to play by the demon's rules. The demon's rules, you can't talk. Jesus, the stronger man, ties up the strong man of this demon and casts him out. But make note of this. Demons make otherwise normal functioning people mute. They can keep you from talking about Jesus and his words. So ask yourself next time 
You feel the urge to say something, but you don't. Something strange about this text is that when Jesus casts out the demon, making that mute man speak, everyone becomes angry with Jesus, as I said. Now you may ask yourself, why aren't the people happy with Jesus? He's teaching the scriptures. He's healing. He's casting out demons. That's right. Jesus is doing those things. You're used to hearing about Jesus doing those things, and it makes you happy and comforted because you are a Christian baptized into Jesus Christ. But to the people of his day, everything that Jesus did in that town and elsewhere upset the status quo. And take it from me, people don't like it when you upset the status quo. Just before today's reading, Jesus taught the people the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure that they were upset because Jesus tried to change the way that they were worshiping. We never say that prayer, Jesus. Why are you teaching us some new prayer that we've never prayed before? But now, Jesus is healing that mute guy that I always see walking to work every day. Wasn't he just naturally mute? Oh, he was possessed by a demon, and that was the cause of his problems? He had a spiritual issue. Whoops. If these people in this town had cared one bit about the people in their faith community, they would have noticed that this man was possessed by a demon and took care of it. Man, Jesus was making them look bad. And so what they do is they say, oh, well, he's only casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub. Beelzebub is an Old Testament name for Satan. That means the Lord of the flies. All right. So Beelzebub means the Lord of the flies. It sounds kind of cool, right? But the reason why the Old, the Old Testament Hebrew people referred to Satan as the Lord of the Flies is because flies collected where dead, rotting, lifeless things are. So if you're near dead bodies or poo or rotting food, flies brought your attention to the near presence of of the devil or demons, Beelzebub, where the flies gather. That may sound ridiculous to you, but take it from me. Because Jesus was preaching and teaching basic biblical Christianity, he disrupted the status quo. And doing that earns you finger pointing, saying that you are from the devil trying to break up the status quo. And so, this Jesus, he would do things like ask them personal questions. He would ask them about how they spent their time. He would ask them if they knew the scriptures. They would, he would ask them, who do you follow? Who do you trust for your spiritual health? And it drove people bonkers because they preferred status quo. 
They preferred the mediocrity of the time before Jesus came because everyone was left to their own devices. The Pharisees and the Sadducees just hung out in the temple, and as long as you didn't go there or you didn't talk to them, and they sure as heck weren't going to reach out and talk to you and teach you anything, you could just do whatever you wanted. It was cool. And so when Jesus started walking around, teaching, asking questions, caring for people, they were like, what in the world is this guy doing, acting the way God wanted a pastor to? But Jesus knew their thoughts. And that's an important doctrinal thing to take away from today. Jesus knows your thoughts. I don't. I'm only a human being. I, as your pastor, only go by what you say and what you do. But Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. And he knew the thoughts and intentions of the people that day who were angry that he cast out a demon. And so Jesus responds to the secretist of the angry and wicked thoughts that a person can feel in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus lays it out flat. He says, I am not of Satan's kingdom. You know, it's like a politician comes out and is like, I am not in support of, you know, you know, killing people or whatever. It's like, right? So Jesus comes out and says, I am not under Satan's kingdom. Because if I was, I would not cast out demons. Because a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Right? Right? He got that line from Abraham Lincoln, right? And so me being able to cast out demons, Jesus says, should show you that the very finger of God, so he uses a very strange term, the very finger of God is at work in your presence. When Jesus references this finger of God to those who are listening, who had faith, who had ears to hear, it would bring them to mind today's Exodus reading, which is smack dab in the middle of God delivering the Hebrews from Egypt. So our Old Testament reading is literally the description of the third and the fourth plague in Egypt. God takes dust of the earth and touches it with the finger of God and gives it life. Sure, it becomes gnats, so the dust becomes gnats, But those gnats go and torment unbelievers in Egypt. Torments their animals, you know, probably goes over, uh, you know, light fixtures and it gets all dark and gross and ugh. Imagine the writhing, right? So the satanic magicians that serve Pharaoh, the first two plagues, they could replicate with their satanic magic. But this third plague, they could not replicate it. They could not turn dust into gnats. And why? Well, because Satan, no matter how hard he tries, cannot give life. Satan cannot give life. God took dust and breathed life into it and made gnats the same way he took dust 
breathed life into it, and made people. But Satan cannot do that. And oh, he wishes he could. He can only take away life. He can only trick people into thinking he's giving them what they think is life. But it's not, because the wage of sin is death. And so, in the next plague, in the fourth, God makes things very clear. It may have sounded weird or confusing when it was being read, but God actually uses the fourth plague to make things clear. He says, I'm going to put a division between Pharaoh's people, or unbelievers, and the Hebrews who have faith in me, who have trusted me to deliver them, I'm going to put a division between them. And that clear division will be marked by the presence of flies. So there's going to be flies where the unbelievers are and God is not present. And there's not going to be flies where believers are present. Say, the home of a faithful Hebrew who is waiting out the gnat plague in their home. There were flies everywhere. But if there are no flies in a home or on certain animals, it means God is present there. God is saying, Satan can remain the Lord of the flies. I will remain the Lord of the clean, of the living. And so today, on the third Sunday of Lent... It's also called oculi, because the first words of the introit are, my eyes are ever fixed on you, O Lord. We look to the Lord for deliverance. This is the traditional Sunday to have the catechumens or those who are preparing to be baptized and received into communion in the church. This is the Sunday that they would renounce the devil and all his works. And a small exorcism would take place. This still happens at our baptisms. You may not realize that an exorcism is taking place, but that's what those questions and answers are. Do you renounce the devil? Yes, I do. Do you renounce all his works? Yes, I do. Do you renounce all his ways? Yes, I do, right? He will even pray over you or the child... Right? Depart, you unclean spirit, and make room for the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So he's casting out the unclean spirit from the child or whoever's being baptized and inviting the Holy Spirit to take up residence. And that's important. Because today in the text, Jesus says that when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places. It passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. So yes, Satan or his demons that are under his control in his kingdom, they flee from your baptism. Satan flees from the water of your baptism and seeks waterless places to find rest, but finds none. And this is why I encourage you most every Sunday 
to return to your baptism every day and to live in it. Long story short, the demons cannot get you in the water. For some reason, I have imprinted on my heart like 30 seconds of a Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom is running from bees, angry bees, right? And then he jumps into a pond and the bees can't get him because he's underwater. And then he has a reed and he breathes through the reed and the bees are swarming up there, but they can't get him because he's under the water. If you have that image in your head, that is literally what I'm trying to get across here. So the demons cannot get you when you're in the water. You're safe at the bottom of the pond, breathing through a reed. One of the church fathers, and it's really cool, right? Because we have this uninterrupted, like there's no break between the scriptures being written and their descendants continuing to write and write letters to one another and preaching. So this guy named Tertullian, who is a pastor, he preached a sermon in about 180 AD, a baptismal sermon for this Sunday. And he said, we little fishes, after the example of ichthys, right? So if you've ever seen a a fish on the back of someone's car and you go, oh, they're Christian. So that's because the Greek name for fish, ichthys, is an acronym for Jesus Christ, Son of God. All right? So it was an early Christian symbol. So he says, we little fishes, or ichthys, we are born in water like fish. Nor have we safety in any other way than to remain permanently in the water. Fish don't keep living if you take them out of the water. And we are fish in the water, born of the water, living in the water. So Satan, he says, knows full well how to kill little fish like us by taking them away from their life-giving water. Jesus, in this gospel reading, is trying to say, stay in the water Don't let Satan take you back out of the water. Fish can't live outside the water. All this to say, stay in the water of baptism, little fish. It's the only place the demons cannot get you nor torture you. Jesus says that when he casts out an unclean spirit, it will return when it finds no rest. And if it finds, if it comes back and it finds this house and it's like, oh, nice. Some pastor cast out a demon. It's all swept clean and nice and put in order. I'm going to go get seven of my friends, more evil than myself, enter in and dwell there. And Jesus says the state of that person is worse than the first. And that is why. Barring extreme circumstance, people are not to be baptized unless they're taught or are taught immediately after being baptized. 
It's why Jesus says, go ye into the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. This is why people are not to be baptized, who are not committed to entering the life of the church, the care of the church, the weekly receiving of the word and the sacrament, rejoicing in it, caring for brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it's dangerous. When one casts out a demon in baptism and does not remain in the water by word and sacrament, they are a target, not just for the one that had them at first, but for seven more to come and attack. And that's why you need every weapon at your disposal. That's why we receive communion every week. That's why we hear the word every week. It's why we read the word every day and pray. We need every weapon at our disposal. We need to hide in the pond from the bees. Satan is more interested in attacking someone who has become a Christian. Because if someone never became one, he didn't even have to bring attention to himself and attack him or her. And so, long story short, blessed are not those who are baptized and then pursue the pleasures, riches, and cares of this life. No. Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In his most holy name, amen.